Welcome back to another edition of the Pennsylvania Prisons and Parole Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Tarkowski. Back to school time is here, and while students throughout the Commonwealth are heading back to class, school never really stops in the DOC. On today's show, we're joined by Principal Alan Berkheimer from SEI Pine Grove to chat about the educational and vocational programs available to the men and women of the DOC and the challenges and opportunities associated with getting an education while incarcerated. Principal Berkheimer, if you could just start at the beginning and tell us how long you've served with the DOC and what was your career path? How did you end up in corrections? Uh, I've been employed by the DOC for approximately the last three years. Prior to that, if we're looking at the uh, career path, how I've gotten here, it's it's been a very long and windy road. Uh, I entered the U.S. Army about two weeks after I graduated from high school. Uh, after spending some time there, I became a public education teacher and was an administrator as well uh, for about 21 years. And then I uh, left public education and started as SCI Smithfield's uh, correction school principal. Uh, that lasted for approximately six months until that institution became a reception facility in January 21. Uh, from that aspect, I uh, transferred to SCI Pine Grove as their correction school principal. And I've been working uh, detached duty for the Division of Corrections Education since approximately August 22. So what does a correction school principal do? Uh, we basically function just as a public education corrections or a school principal would uh, in that we supervise the teaching staff and other you know, supporting uh, staff uh, as well as meet with students regarding attendance, transcripts. Uh, there are several uh, institutions across the state who also have special education programs. Uh, Pine Grove is one of them. Uh, so we also conduct uh, the special education programming, IEP meetings and things like that uh, to the you know federal standards required within special education. How many teachers do you have at Pine Grove? What's your program like? How many students, how many teachers? Well, the, the amount of students vary, uh, but the teachers we have, uh, due to the large special education population there, we have four special education certified teachers. We have three regular education teachers, uh, but we also have, you know, we have obviously guidance counselor, uh, the barbershop, library, all the, like I said, all the supporting staff as far as as well as our vocational teachers and our technology and business education teacher. Uh, there are approximately 125 to you know 150 students uh, that obviously as a SCI we have that population is sometimes transient but uh, by and large that's that's what we offer as our source for the education program. So a lot of different programs, what do incarcerated students work toward? I know you have kind of like a GED or that CSD, right? The Commonwealth Secondary Diploma. But then you also talked Correct. about the apprenticeship programs and, and special education. It sounds like uh, you've got a lot going on. How do you break it up into kind of the different sections, if you will? SCIs don't assess for individuals with special needs. Uh, but if that individual was uh, part of education, I'm sorry, special education, in their public school, uh, they are still considered, you know, through the end of their 21st year, 
of age uh, still considered special education uh, involved in pro programming. And those programs would continue with us through their, typically that, that student is working for their Commonwealth Secondary Diploma or C CSD, like you said. Uh, but we also use the GED program for some of our non-traditional students who uh, want to go that route, but we also use those GED services uh, to help streamline the CSD students. Uh, for example, if you had a great deal of math credits or science credits remaining, uh, but a, a short amount of time to, to uh, attain it in, uh, you could take your GED for that portion, which would count for your credits in that area. Uh, so we have a variety of students using those two services for different in different capacities, I should say. Um, the outside the box type of thinking that we're doing right now, as far as the Department of Corrections Education and working with reentry, is you know our understanding of the importance of a prepared reentrant. And we have taken a, a lot of big steps in that direction very recently uh, with working with uh, Ms. Kelly Martini, who is the grant programs manager uh, with the Department of Corrections, and myself and a small team of uh, folks from DCE, uh, my, myself, Michelle Jennings, who's a regional liaison, Cami Hoover, is, who is also working detached duty, uh, working with the Carpenters Union, for example, and coordinating a program that we can offer through our vocational carpentry classes that uh, we operate with their, with the Carpenters Union curriculum and their apprenticeship program to where we are handling the same information uh, as well as our OSHA standards and NCCER standards. Uh, so when that individual completes that program and they uh, are re-entering society, they are that much more streamlined to walk into a union position um, to be able to finish up their apprenticeship program with minimal time left and go into you know, a union job. Uh, a good high paying you know, job, kind of give them a ticket to the middle class, right? Is the goal? Correct. It, it's much more of a difference between attaining a job or attaining a career uh, that has a life and family supporting you know, wage. Uh, so starting salary at that point, once they're confirmed as a union carpenter, is around $25 an hour up through $50-some dollars an hour, uh, which is by far, uh, you know, surpasses what many, many people who aren't re-entrants are uh, looking at. And But uh, the preparation and education that goes into this are the key. Uh, you know, we're obviously aware of the data that supports, you know, that the higher the education and the higher the skill set an individual has uh, upon re-entry, the less likely they are to uh, return to us, uh, which is better for everybody involved. Yep, having gainful employment and, and making an honest paycheck is, goes a long way. I know that. But let's back up a little bit to that secondary education. If somebody comes into the DOC, uh, they're, they're a new commitment, and they don't have a high school diploma, what happens? Well, upon entry to the DOC, everybody will take a, uh, a TAPE test, tape test of adult basic education, which will give us a, a baseline of their academic abilities. Uh, if they don't have a GED or diploma, they're 
automatically considered a, a mandatory student. Uh, so that individual could be 18, that individual could be 50. Uh, so we take a look then, we attain their transcripts from any of their uh, schooling outside or other places inside, and we create a transcript for them. And we, it's, it's very strategic in nature that, that we are providing exactly what they have remaining, you know, of what they didn't complete somewhere else. Uh, so their class schedules then are based upon their cumulative credits. Is that uh, hard for you guys elsewhere. to do? I imagine some of these uh, men and women that come into our custody might not have the best uh, records uh, going back decades or, or, or years. How labor intensive that is, is that for you guys to, to track down and why is it so important? It is sometimes very difficult. Uh, some of the places that these uh, folks have attended previously are no longer functioning. Um, or it's been, like you said, 30 years since this individual may have been in high school last. Uh, so attaining those transcripts is sometimes tricky, uh, but we also work through a number of other agencies that help us find those and search those out. Uh, you know, from finding something that's, you know, within Pennsylvania to with, within the United States and sometimes outside of the United States. Uh, and we use some of our, you know, Spanish translators, for example, to make such requests and be able to read uh, the transcripts. Um, but to the best of our ability and coordination, sometimes with the uh, individual's family, uh, sometimes it takes reaching out to them to see if they could go to that local school and put a face to the name and make that request. Uh, but we certainly go above and beyond to make sure we are not being redundant with what we are offering this individual. Are the incarcerated men and women that you come into contact with, are they surprised that you guys do this much? Because, I, frankly, I'm kind of surprised that somebody becomes incarcerated in the Pennsylvania system. And one of the first things that we do is try to get them on track for uh, secondary education. What kind of feedback do you get? Well, I would say it's very similar to the feedback I would get in public education, where most people appreciate and understand that you're going, you know, that you're going to bat for them and you're doing the best you can to make the the best decision and best plan of action for them and there are also those who don't you know don't appreciate it you know, maybe have never had a good educational experience uh, and that's for people inside and outside um, but by and large you know and the individuals can see it when they come to any institution but in in my case for pine grove you know that's part of their orientation is that that conversation and filling out any necessary paperwork to make those searches uh, so it's it's observable up front to the individual, you know, when they arrive that this is, you know, this is, you know, it's for a purpose and it's for their benefit as well. And what's a school day like for a typical incarcerated student or is there a typical student? Is everybody different? There's a lot of variety. There, there, there are people there from many different uh, ethnic and cultural backgrounds. There are people there from different, you know, that had varying public educational experiences. Uh, so everybody, you know, lands here at the same spot and has, you know, very much the same standing. And uh, being able to recognize, and this, this is where building, you know, a rapport with these individuals uh, is important. Uh, they can see then that, that you're, that you're buy-in and as well as, you know, participate in those conversations. Uh, but by and large, you know, most of the students we deal with 
uh, know this is something important. Education is important and being able to, you know, we and we offer the vocational program as well. So as, as you finish the academic with your CSD or your GED, uh, you can then be enrolled in one of our vocational programs uh, with something as simple as the flaggers course, uh, which you'll see the individuals out on the highways with flagger force, you know, that, that might be working on a construction site, you know, mm -hmm. controlling traffic, traffic. safety, that sort of thing. Correct. Uh, flagger force is a real, uh, real big on second chance type uh, employees. Uh, so we have a, a big following there uh, up through, you know, HVAC, carpentry, custodial maintenance, uh, landscaping and horticulture, and you'll see each institution has, you know, varies a bit on their vocational offerings. But uh, that would be the big parts of Pine Grove. Pre-apprenticeship program is something we're looking at uh, and a couple other programs to expand upon that, uh, that come to more, again, more of a career than just picking up and the ability to pick up a job. Because the department's always kind of looking at the vocational programs offered to try to make sure that they match up with what the needs are in the community, correct? Correct. Yeah, we work very closely with uh, labor trends and looking, you know, we have a lot of our uh, incarcerated individuals are from the Pittsburgh and Philadelphia areas, and, you know, and, and anywhere in between. So we pay careful attention to the labor trends of that area of what their home plan might be, you know, taking them back to and their location and what specific occupations or labor trends there are needed. And we try as best as possible to match those up. Can you tell me a little bit about the challenges or maybe not even challenges, but the differences from a traditional classroom and then coming to teach not only incarcerated students, but they're also adult learners. So it's going to be a little bit different than teaching a uh, typical uh, high school student, correct? Yes, uh, it is. Uh, you know, I've, most of my career in public education was um, time as a middle high school principal. Mm -hmm. And as such, you know, these, these students were typically in sixth grade to 12th or seventh grade through 12th. And what I appreciated was watching them come in as a 12 year old and then watching those kids you know, graduate as 18-year-olds and being part of that that evolution. Um, whereas it's obviously a very different setting inside the wall uh, that it's less that age transformation and more of an assistance in in mindset and motivation and outcome and to be able to help an individual that might not appreciate may have had bad experiences in school previously uh for many that's part of why you know how they ended up with us in the first place right and helping them understand that this is a very necessary and beneficial step for them and watching that you know in in education language that's the aha moment of somebody you know the light bulb's been screwed in and the light came on and they got it. They they have that, whether that's a concept of the subject matter or whether that's the concept of, you know what, I think I can do this. And part of that is, a, again, having rapport with the students, uh, letting them understand that we're not just, you know, collecting a paycheck, so to speak, but 
we be, we benefit as a society when these folks benefit from education and skill skills trainings and things like that uh, to become productive members of society. We're talking with Principal Alan Berkheimer from SEI Pine Grove. Principal Berkheimer, do you have any examples of what you're talking about? Do you ever hear from your former students or a story that you can tell of somebody that you saw kind of make that transformation you were you were just describing? Yes, uh, you know what? There are there are two that come to mind, uh, two individuals, uh, and this started during the. Now I was hired during the COVID nineteen pandemic at the very outset of it, actually. And so the two gentlemen I'm referring to are, they were both from Pine Grove and they started education prior to the COVID uh, restrictions and then worked through them. And education inside a prison during COVID, especially at the outset, was extremely difficult, uh, especially for the students. You know, at, at times they were restricted to their cell and they could not come to classes you know work had to be sent to the cells and worked on individually sent back to the teacher so very non-traditional way to provide instructional provide instruction so uh the first individual individual i'm referring to was 46 years old when i met him and he was interested in pursuing his ged uh, he'd worked outside prior to being uh, placed in prison and was a, I believe, a, a tattoo artist, but never received a diploma or GED. And it was important for him to continue that work while he was inside. So we were able to understand and work with him and, and know what his intentions were and provided him very strategic lessons to prep himself up to take the GED test, uh, which included a GED prep book uh, that has all the necessary quizzes and, you know, workups to that skill set. And we would able to bring him over, you know, as restrictions eased up a little bit, one-on-one uh, -on -one with him to the GED lab. And we'd take, you know, the GED process, you take a GED ready, which is a practice test basically to test your skills and give you some feedback as to your strong points and then your areas for development. And this process for this individual, he would come over, take a test. We would print out his results and show him, okay, well, you did well here and here are three areas you need to work with. And the, the reports luckily, show him exactly what pages in that GED prep book to work with. And so he was able to very strategically for himself study correctly. And over time and through this pandemic, he earned his GED. And that was something at the time that I, to me, caught my eye because at the time, uh, you know, I, I was sitting there at the same age as this guy. And had a lot of, had a lot in common with him and he you know I'm there assisting him reach his GED and and he was able to do that and myself and the you know obviously the teaching staff mm -hmm. uh, and it shows a level of intrinsic motivation that's within him right because exactly. it wasn't easy in fact the motivation was all him you know because we you know there there were no in person classes so we were able to provide as much uh, focused resources for him as possible and he would go back to his cell on his own time. And, you know, he was uh, 
he did it very well. And he and that's the difference, you know, a very focused goal oriented individual that uh, admittedly made mistakes in his past and was doing everything he could to correct that. Uh, and then, you know, upon his his release, move forward from there and become the, uh, you know, the husband and for the he discussed wanting to be and being an example of, you know, what I messed up, but I, I used my time wisely and I bettered myself. And now, now I'm more prepared than ever to come back. Uh, the other individual was in his mid fifties. And again, coming up through the, the COVID time, uh, he completed much of his, now he was working for a Commonwealth secondary diploma, a CSD uh, during the and was able to return in person class you know, at some point and to, and finally earned his CSD. But his his work ethic and determination. Now, this gentleman also did not speak. He, English was not his first language, and at times that was difficult for him. And that was another thing that we worked with him, you know, with the ESL program, worked with him and provided him a lot of resources to where uh, it was it was clicking. And this this gentleman, his work ethic and determination were very evident. Uh, and he became a source of inspiration for many of our younger students uh, with whom he shared a classroom. Uh, so much so that for last year's graduation, he was unanimously chosen to deliver the valedictorian speech in last year's graduation. Ceremony, you know, so that individual, you know, was somebody who struggled with the English language, uh, was bound to his cell for much of his time, but worked hard and you know his own work ethic uh moved him forward in that and it was observable and that luckily that becomes contagious within a classroom when you have opportunity to be in a classroom so some students who were you know obviously less mature and younger than him uh saw him as as such and he became a driving force in our education department that's amazing. It really does sound like a community, uh, everybody kind of pulling the rope in the same direction. And I've been to a couple of those graduations from uh, the schooling and also the vocational programs, and I'm always struck by the family members that show up to support their loved one in their graduation and just the level of pride that both the students and the family have at succeeding in something positive. Yes, and for many, uh, sometimes we you know, in, inside our walls, there are everybody from every, every socioeconomic strata uh, possible, from people who've never finished school uh, to people who are, you know, hold master's degrees and doctorates. And for sometimes you know, the individuals that we're working with, they are the first person in their family to graduate from high school. And that is, and that was amazing to watch. I, I delivered a speech at uh, Somerset's SEI Somerset's graduation last week and a full house and, you know, parents came from all over the state uh, to watch that happen. And it was amazing to see the level of support. And obviously, thanks to them for uh, making this something important and recognizing, you know, their their son's uh, efforts on that capstone of a diploma. So what's next for the Department of Corrections uh, when it comes to education? Where do you see the programs going? What would you like to see in the next uh, five, ten years and beyond? Well, a, a lot of what we're working on now is the successful reentrant. Uh, the 
current administration for Department of Corrections and the Division of Corrections Education uh, understand the idea of what has to happen and what's involved in creating a successful reentrant and you know limiting the rates of recidivism uh, and that's education and attaining advanced skill sets so there are a lot of things happening we, you know, we mentioned the carpenters union the coordination with them uh, but along with that that, that career expanding career uh, pathways grant that we received with that comes the resources for the carpentry program we're discussing uh, but also also with that uh, comes a program that will be pushed out first to uh, Quahana boot camp the CDL training and permitting where they're actually doing the driving there uh, now these are up and coming programs that are in their beginning stages right now uh, so from CDL and that's in coordination with PennDOT uh, a hydroponics um, resources uh, in support of culinary and horticulture programs at the training academy and uh, SCI Muncie in Dallas. Um, so there are a lot of efforts being looked at and we talked about labor and industry um, of where and how we can best support our students and and you know these these individuals upon their release um, in an effort to become productive citizens. So there's a lot of effort top down and a lot of uh, you know grant opportunities that we've taken advantage of to be able to provide these opportunities and that that list is only growing uh, so the expectation was provided to us that these are things that need to happen and we have been given you know a green light to explore every opportunity as individuals and then we come back to the team and discuss and then we you know roll it out from there uh, so from second uh, also includes second chance Pell programs where incarcerated individuals can pursue post-secondary education, correspondence courses for programs like uh, being a paralegal one and two or taking courses towards college credits and degrees. Uh, there's there's a lot of fantastic things happening inside the Department of Corrections uh, from our from our standpoint that we are embracing and very much moving forward with. Well, as we get closer to back to school time in the Commonwealth, we certainly appreciate Principal Alan Berkheimer and all the education staff within the Department of Corrections for all the work they do to support incarcerated students and create uh, future successful reentrance. Principal Berkheimer, thanks for joining us today. Thanks again to Principal Alan Berkheimer from SEI Pine Grove and a special thanks to all the school teachers, counselors, and administrators throughout the DOC. For more information on the educational opportunities we offer, check out our blog at cor.pa.gov or follow us on social media at CorrectionsPA on Facebook and Twitter. On behalf of executive producer Kurt Bope, thank you for listening. Until next time.